Psalms 150, verse 1 through verse 6. When you have it, say amen. And the Bible reads as so in the name of Jesus. I read out of the New King James Version. I'm, I'm a little backslidden, so help me. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Uh, this, this evening I'd like to speak to you here on this subject. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise God in his sanctuary. Father, we bless you, we glorify your name. We give you all the glory that you so richly deserve. And we ask that you would be in our midst and that your people would not only hear your word, but put it into action. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. You may be seated all over this building. The book of Psalms is divided into uh, five parts. And like a well-coordinated symphony, each psalm was placed in its proper order leading up to the last few psalms called the Hallelujah Psalms, the Hallelujah Psalms. In a mighty crescendo, we finally land in the exhilarating climax of it all, Psalm 150. How intriguing that the psalm that was chosen to end the whole book the psalm that gives us the where, the why, and the how of praise. Of all the ways that it could have begun that list, after admonishing us to praise the Lord, it starts out its list with praise God in his sanctuary. Praise God in his sanctuary. Well, that seems to me that uh, seems like it's pretty important, so let's, let's figure out what is a sanctuary. Sanctuary is made up of, uh, the word sanctuary is made up of two Hebrew words, Kadesh and Mikdash. Kadesh and Mikdash. Now, Kadesh means holy. Mikdash means temple or sacred place. So sanctuary refers to the place or the temple that was consecrated to the worship of God, where God is believed to meet his people. In the Old Testament, the sanctuary was both used in reference to the temple and the tabernacle. It was used of the place where the people gathered to meet God corporately. Now, I know that the sanctuary refers to a physical location. And I also understand that, especially in the New Testament, the worship of God 
is no longer restricted to a physical location. God can be worshipped literally anywhere that God is. Because now our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are this sanctuary. God is in us. At Pentecost, God became in us. And so now we are God's building, the Bible says. Um, however, I, I also do believe, I, I get that, you know, we don't have to worship. As a matter of fact, the psalmist said that let the saints be joyful in glory and let them sing aloud upon their beds, upon their beds. Do you know you can worship God even on your bed, even on your bed? You don't have to wait until Sunday in order to worship the Lord. You, you can worship the Lord in your car. Can I tell you some of the greatest, some of the greatest worship experiences I've ever had have been in a car somewhere. Amen. On my way to school, on my way to work, on my way uh, somewhere. Uh, you can worship him at home. You can worship him. I am a professional singer in the shower. Let me say that again. I'm a pro. I am a pro. I do runs. You will never, ever hear from my mouth anywhere. Amen. Uh, but in the shower, there's a boldness that comes up on me. My range is absolutely amazing. Amen. Amen. I, I, I go from Barry White to Mariah Carey. I don't know who those are, Bishop. You can worship him anywhere, anywhere. However, I think one of the things that the enemy of our souls has tried to take away from our culture in these last days. I get that you can worship him anywhere, but something the enemy of our souls is trying to take away from our culture in these last days, especially the last 13, 15, 16 months of our lives, is the praise that is duly given to our God in his sanctuary. The place that has been consecrated, separated by the people, the four walls of these build, this building is not the church. We are the church. However, we have deemed that this is the place where the church is going to gather to meet God corporately. And because this is the place that we have deemed God is going to meet us here, the church, and we are going to meet our God here, then this becomes the sanctuary, the sacred place that we have, that we have separated and consecrated unto our God. Amen. And the devil knows how important it is for you to get here. Amen. He knows how important it is for you. So hell will do anything in its power to keep you from getting to the house of God. I get that you can worship him anywhere. But for the church, the crowning jewel of worship is when we get together as a people, as a congregation, and lift our voices together. And when we hear him speak to 
to us corporately together. Can I tell you, nothing can substitute corporate worship. Nothing can substitute coming to the house of God together. Amen. I know that in your Christian journey, there's a, there's a whole myriad of places that you can worship the Lord. But this ought to be a very special place. Go back and think over your Christian journey. Where were you healed the most? In the sanctuary. Where did you get the Holy Ghost? In the sanctuary. Where were you baptized? In the sanctuary. Where did your children come back to God? In the sanctuary. Where did you get a word? For the, for a lifetime. In the sanctuary. Where did you make the greatest relationships? In the sanctuary. The sanctuary. Devil will do anything in his power to keep you from getting to the house of God bless the name of the Lord as a matter of fact you should make it your yearly resolution that corporate worship will be high on your list of things that you ought to emphasize every single year as a family instead of you know how much weight we're going to lose this year or, or, or you know we're not going to drink soda this year that never works or you know how much money we're going to make together instead of that you ought to make a yearly resolution that every single time the doors of the building of that church are open and me and my house we are going to be in the house of the Lord that ought to be a yearly resolution I know I make that make that plain in my family every single year I come back and I tell my kids we are going to be in the house of the Lord every single time they open up those doors we're going to be in the house of the Lord. I was trying to count the other day and I could count on one hand how many times I remember in my lifetime, in my lifetime, how many times I remember not being in service on a Sunday. I can tell you that I can count on one hand and probably three fingers how many times in my life. I'm not talking about the last couple of years. I'm talking about in my lifetime how many times. I have missed a church service. I love the house of God. I love being with the people of God. I love worship in the house of God. If you have it in the morning, I'm going to worship with you. If you have it in the afternoon, I'm going to praise with you. If you have it in the evening, I'm going to pray. Every single time the doors of the church are opened up, I want to be in the house of God. Count me in with the psalmist that said I was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the Lord let us go into the house of the Lord the writer of Hebrews commands us not to neglect the assembling of ourselves together as such is the manner of some there there is power when we come together into the sanctuary According to a 2017 Gallup poll, about 70% of Americans claim to be some sort of Christians. And yet in 2018, uh, only 22% of Americans attend church every Sunday. That is a big drop off. That goes to show you how little people think of church attendance, how little people think of the Lord's Day and public worship. And as America has gotten farther and farther away from its Christian values, we no longer see the importance of getting together with the saints 
on the Lord's day. I'm going to tell you right now, that was not my experience. My mother raised me in a, uh, a I guess, in a different way. You know, kids nowadays have options. I've, I've seen that over and over again. The kids, you know, little Susie, you going to stay home or you going to come with me? Hey, Bobby, you're, you're going to stay here with your dad or you're, you're going to come with me. You're going to play your fantasy football this Sunday. You're going to be with me. What, what are you going to do? The kids, we didn't have, I didn't have options growing up. Let me explain something about my mother. Amen. Both of my parents were strict, but let me, let me tell you something about my mother. Amen. <clears throat> my mother was part mom and part Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Bless the name of the Lord. I don't know how many of y'all will understand this reference when I say it, but uh, if you don't know my mother, my mother uh, was, there was a, a, a game in the 90s, a video game called Street Fighter, and uh, my mother was in it. <laughs> she was a character in Street Fighter called Blanca, Blanca from Brazil. The first time I saw Blanca fight and he went... <laughs> I said, that's my mom. Amen. So I'm going to tell you right now, you didn't play any games with that woman. And she told me along when I was, when I was just a child, she said, listen, in this household, and I'm going to tell you, she was a homemaker and she was, uh, she is, uh, uh, one of the greatest, uh, be- beings that you could ever, uh, lay your eyes on. She's incredible. But she, this is the way she raised me. She said, in this house, you can do entertainment and you can do school and you can do work and you can do this and you can do sports six days a week but she said on the first day of the week that Sunday she said we are going to go to the house of God on we would go to the house of God on a fast we would go to the house of the Lord and and if I valued my life I would not even pick up anything that did not have to do with the Lord on the Lord's day at seven in the morning she would wake us up and said rise and shine and give God the glory and the and the music would be blaring in the background that boring old music she would listen to and force us to listen to but that's the stuff I grew up on and on Sunday mornings we'd have to get in the car and sing songs all the way to we'd have church we'd have pre-church before the church in our car amen that was the that's how I grew up the Lord's day now somebody asked me, well, how is it that, you know, you're a single dad, you raise your children on your own and they're both serving the Lord and loving the Lord and one of them is youth pastoring and preaching and how is it that you, now I'm not out of the woods yet and I'm not an expert parent by any means of the imagination. But I'm going to tell you, there's one little thing I did tell my children. I don't know if, I don't know if this is, you know, a key to it, but I'm just going to share that with somebody. There's one little thing I did emphasize with my kids on the day that we knew that we'd be together for the long haul and it was just us I said listen y'all are about to have a great time because this is a bachelor that's about to raise you so this is going to be a party house every night so y'all are good amen there's not very many rules in this house but there is one rule that we're going to stick to and you might hate me for it and that's this as long as the doors of the building of our sanctuary is open 
we are going to be in the house of God. And I told them every single first day of the week on Sunday, we're going to be in the house of the Lord. Now let me tell you something. Caleb was a, a, a very gr- a great athlete, great athlete. But I went to coach Mario Ellie, won a national championship with uh, the Houston Rockets in 94. And I went over to coach Ellie, who was coaching my son. And I said, I know, I know, I know my son is a good guard over on your team. And I know you want him, but, but, but can I tell you something, coach Ellie? Listen, um, he can play on Wednesdays and he can play on Thursdays. If you've got a game, three games on Saturday, he can play three games on Saturday. That's all right. But on Sunday, you let me know if this is going to be a problem. Cause it's, if it's going to be a problem, he can't come into this team. You let me know on the first day of the week, my son is going to be in the house of God. And I got to let you know now, because I know there's going to be some important tournaments and some important championship, but that dude right there is going to miss those tournaments and that championship because he's going to be in the house of God. I remember, I remember him texting me one time, Pastor Myers, I was over in Hong Kong. It was three in the morning and he texted me in Hong Kong and said, hey dad, trying to be slick. He said, hey dad, uh, uh, listen, uh, uh, we can't make it a church this morning because we don't have a ride. Can I tell y'all right now, you can't play a player. Bless the name of the Lord. I said, whoa, you don't have a ride all the way from Hong Kong. I got on my phone and sent an Uber over their way. I paid, I'll never forget this as long as I live. I paid $73 to get them to church that morning. But it's some of the best money I ever invested because I made sure that they knew this thing of coming to the house of God, this isn't a joke to me. This isn't, you know, laissez-faire type stuff. This isn't an option. You've got to come to the house of God. Oh, bless the name of the Lord. Bless the... When we look at the first day of the week, Sunday, it had absolutely no religious or social importance in the Jewish calendar. Hardly anyone spoke about Sunday with any particularity. Anywhere in world history, look at the books, look anywhere. You won't find anything really on Sunday. It wasn't really that special of a day. It was just like any other day. Pretty ordinary. So what happened to make Christians begin to memorialize this particular day? I've been to several places. I've got to take that out. See, I used to say I've been around the world. And then I met your pastor and he's been to like a 100 in some countries and I'm like man here's my little 30 some countries I've been to I haven't been anywhere Man, uh, so I've, I've, I've been a, a couple places around the world and, uh, everywhere I've been, China, the Philippines, Europe, Australia, all over Central and South America, uh, the Pacific Islands, the Caribbean, everywhere that I have been, uh, they go and worship the Lord on Sunday. Sunday. What is it about the people of God that have kept this tradition for about 2,000 years? They get to the house of God on Sunday. You you don't hear about there, there's no command that you need to get together on a Sunday, but but some.
something about it. The Christians seem to gather together on Sundays to memorialize the Lord and to worship Him. Well, there's some clues in the Bible. You see, when is the first time that we hear about this whole first day of the week of Sunday? They began to call it first day of the week. Now, let me, let me just bring something up. You never hear about second day of the week or third day of the week in the Bible. You never hear about the fourth day of the week, such and such did something. No, the Christian, the gospel writers wanted you to know this is a special day. They began to call it the first day of the week. Everywhere you hear about it, the first day of the week, the first day of the week. And they wanted you to know what day it was. When do we hear about it first? Well, we hear about it first in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 1. It says, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn. What happened there? Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And you know what happened? The Bible says the guard shook for fear of him and became like dead men. I'm skipping some verses. But the angel answered and said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you see Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen as he said. Now come see the place where he lay. You see what happened in this in this text right here the Lord rose up on that third day the power of the resurrection was visible on that day and it is the greatest the greatest element of the gospel is the resurrection of Jesus Christ that's why you must confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord but that's not enough you've got to believe in your heart that God raised them up from the dead because the resurrection is the single most important aspect of our gospel the resurrection that's why you come to the house of God on the first day of the week because this is the day that the Lord rose up from the dead he looked at death the grave and the hell and he said I've got all power in my hands oh death where is thy sting oh grave where is thy victory the sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law but thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through his son Jesus Christ I'm telling you right now you don't have to wait till Easter to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ every single Sunday when those doors are open up you come to the house of God you do your little dance for what purpose to commemorate the fact that our God is not dead he is alive you don't serve a God that's still hanging up on a cross you serve a living God you serve an alive God you serve the God of the resurrection Woo. oh bless the name of the Lord Jesus Christ Woo. my 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 Every single time that Jesus met up with his disciples after the resurrection, you go research it. Whenever he'd meet up with them uh, up until the day of his uh, ascension, that's the only exception. But every single time that he would meet up with his disciples, you know when it was? On the first day of the week, when he met the disciples of Emmaus, it says on that very same day. It's the disciples of Emmaus, that first day of the week, when he saw the Marys, the first 
first day of the week. And then you look at it and uh, you, you go down to the book of John. In John chapter 20, it says there in verse 19, then the same day at evening. Well, what day is that? You know, John said, I'm not going to let you guess as to what day that was. So he tells you, comma, being the first day of the week. He said, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, peace be with you. You see, that's why you got to get to church. I'm going to tell you why, because you never know, you never know when the resurrected Christ is going to walk through the wall and say, like Oprah, is going to say, you get a gift, you get anointing, you get a healing, you get power, you get this, you get, you don't know when the resurrected Christ is going to come in and say, you get a word, you get anointing, you get your children back, you come back to this, you get, you don't know when that, that's why you got to be in the house of God. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not the same when you're watching on Facebook. It's not the same when you're watching. Can I take that liberty? Amen. I'm sorry. It's not the same when you're watching on YouTube live. It's not the same when you watch the reruns. You've got to be in the house of God in order to get the experience. You don't know like I know what God will do for you when you get to the house of God. Chains are broken in the house of God. Lives are changed in the house of God. People are healed in the house of God. The devil is rebuked in the house of God. So all the disciples knew about the resurrection except for one of them because he did not show up to service that one Sunday. He wasn't there. Who was it? It was Thomas. Thomas, John 20, 24. The Bible says, now Thomas called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. And so the other disciples said to him, we've seen the Lord. And he said, nah, unless I see. And he said, you who are watching, that's you right there. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just keep tithing. Amen. We love you. He said, we have seen the Lord. And he said, nah, unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And then this is pretty powerful. In verse 26, the Lord could have had a little Wednesday morning uh, Starbucks meeting, you know, while they were eating their caramel macchiato. You know, he could have said, hey, Thomas, it's me. Check out this hole, big old hole in my hands. I could hardly uh, grab my coffee. But... <clears throat> That's not, <laughs> oh Lord, forgive me. That's, that is not what the Lord did. That is not what the Lord, he could have said, hey, how about a, a, a Thursday Zoom Bible study? And uh, we'll go, that's not what the, that's not what he did. Verse 26 says, and after eight days. Now, some of you are looking at me and you're going, well, eight days, that would make it a Monday, right? Yeah, yeah, in America it would because we know how to count. But this is the, this is the, 
my God. But if you go anywhere outside of the United States of America, most of the places outside of the United States of America, they call a week. You know how we say seven days? They say eight days. My mom still does that in Spanish. She would, it drives me crazy. Uh, you know, Sister Freddy Krueger, she will say, she will say, de hoy en ocho. To, from today in eight days. That's what she would say. And what she means by that is next week. And I've tried to explain to her a million times. That's not the way you count. It makes no sense. And yet that's what she does in eight days. And this is how the Jews also did it. They said what, so what it means when it says after eight days, it literally means next week. The Lord said, I'm not going to show up, Thomas, on a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a Wednesday. If you're going to see the resurrected Christ you're going to have to come to church you're going to have to come to church in order to see him and after eight days his disciples were again inside and this time Thomas said well I ain't going to if you saw the resurrected Christ I'm not going to miss service this time around so Thomas was with them and Jesus came the doors being shut shut stood in their midst and said peace to you and then he said to Thomas reach your finger here and look Look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it into my side and do not be unbelieving but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. When did that happen? On the first day of the week. Are you starting to see a pattern on the first day of the week? Now let me blow your minds here just, just for a second. When did the church have its beginning? Well, somebody said on the day of Pentecost. I am so glad that you answered that way because you would be right well what day do you think Pentecost fell on well uh, we really don't know the Bible doesn't stipulate that well yes it does amen I, I am so glad you're bringing up all these queries because I got you we know when it happened the Lord could have poured out of the spirit on a Tuesday morning or on a Wednesday or on a Thursday all he said was tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be filled or endued with power from on high that's all he said he could have fell on them on a Thursday on a Friday but the Bible said when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all in one place they were all in one accord when suddenly it was that specific day well how do we know that it was the first day of the week I'll tell you how all you have to do is go down to the book of Leviticus chapter 23 that's where it tells you about the, the day of Pentecost and here it goes it says and you shall count for yourselves from the day after the Sabbath that is when a Sunday the day after the Sabbath you shall count from that day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering seventh Sabbath shall be completed another day in other words seven weeks that's what it means so after the day of the Sabbath count seven weeks see Pente means five that's where you get Pentecost gone from. So Pentecost means 50 days from the Passover. The Passover was always on a Saturday. Saturday times 7 weeks would be 49. The next day would be 50. So do you know what that means? Pentecost always, that's where you get Pentecost Sunday from. It always lands on a Sunday. The Lord poured out of His Spirit on the first day of the week when they were all gathered together 
if you still don't believe me, listen, you've got to get to the house of God on this first day of the week. Something happens when the people of God gather together. The Holy Ghost is given. The power is released. Virtue is flowing. Get to the house of God. There's some things you cannot do unless you gather together. Somebody said, well, I feel like I could be part of the church, but I just, you know, during this pandemic, I just became so comfortable just in my living room, eating my frosted flakes, you know, and just watching the service online and, and, uh, and it's all good. And, and, and that's, you know, there are times when you absolutely, that is a tool that it is so powerful because there may be an emergency of some sort or you can't make it or, you know, perhaps you, 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 you know, something came up and you can't be there and so that is a great tool to have but don't make it a practice to watch your service from your living room and think that you are being a part of what the you know what the church is and I'm going to tell you why I'm going to tell you why it's not right because the very name church do you know what church means ecclesia in the Greek it means the assembly together of believers that's why we are called the congregation that's what we do we congregate we assemble we come together if you don't come together you are not ecclesia you are not part of a church you listen there are some things you cannot do unless you come together how are you going to greet each other with an holy kiss if you don't come together as a people amen how in the world are you going to talk to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs if you don't come together do you not know that over 90% of the songs you sing are not even primarily directed vertically but horizontally there's a bunch of songs we sing you couldn't sing by yourself you can't be out in the middle of your living room by yourself singing how great is our God Who are you talking to? The weirdest thing I've ever seen. How great is our God? You look around, you're by yourself. You ought to say, how great is my God? That's not what the song said. The song said, how great is our God? You know why? Because there's a bunch of things you can't do unless you come together. Woo! Bless the name of the Lord. As a matter of fact, you know, the disciples went over to Jesus and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Yeah, I've seen how you've been praying. Teach us how to pray. The Lord assumed that when they would pray his prayer, that they would be together. <laughs> he said, listen, I'm going to show you this prayer, but this prayer isn't for you to be praying it over in a mountain by yourself somewhere. I'm going to assume that you're going to come together as my people and pray. You know how we know that? Because Look at the way it look at the way it reads. Our father, not my father, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, not my father, our father. Forgive us of our sin. Give us that today our day.
daily bread. Amen. Deliver us from the evil one. I'm telling you, you can't even pray the Lord's prayer unless you come together as a people. The reason why God wants you to come together as a people. I've got so much I want to give you. Listen, the reason why you got to come together as a people of God. Do you even realize what hallelujah means? Somebody said hallelujah is the highest praise. And I've looked everywhere and I've tried to find that in scripture. I don't, I, I haven't seen it anywhere. Why is hallelujah the highest praise? Maybe because of Handel's Messiah or something. I, I don't know. But somebody came up with that and so we just all kind of said it. Hallelujah is the highest praise. Well, I don't know why. But here, if you want to use that praise, and you should, it's beautiful. But if you want to use that hallelujah praise, well, here's, here's a, here's a deal. Hallelujah is a compound word. Hallelujah is a Hebrew compound word. And the first word is Hallel, Hallel. Now, Hallel has a distinctive meaning, meaning from the rest of the words for praise in Hebrew. Because Hallel, which means praise, is not just any praise, it is an imperative, which means it's a command. So it's not just praise, it is you praise. That's what it means. As a matter of fact, the KJV always translates it, praise ye, praise ye. That's always, hallelujah, hallel is always you praise, praise you. It's when you tell somebody, praise, praise ye, praise ye. And then the second word is the abbreviation of Yahweh, Yah, right? And that's what, where you get hallelujah. So, Praise ye the Lord. That's why it's called the last five hallelujah psalms. They all start with praise ye the Lord. Amen. Because that's what hallelujah means. Every time you say hallelujah, you're not necessarily, you can and you are by, you know, this is what the word has evolved to mean. You know, we just express it unto the Lord. But if you're going to take the, uh, the, the translation of the word literally, every time you say hallelujah, you're not talking to God. You're talking to me. You're saying praise ye. The, you're not telling God praise ye the Lord. You're telling me, praise ye the Lord, because that's the way that God orchestrated praise. Praise is supposed to be a corporate thing. We're supposed to come together. You know why? Because you don't get fulfillment of something until you share it with somebody else. True fulfillment comes when you share. Listen, you can hit a, a hole in one in golf. And pastor and I will never, ever do that. But you can hit a hole in one in golf. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be the, the wackest day of your life if there was no one there to ever witness it. You can go back home and tell all your buddies, Woo, I just hit a hole in, and they're going to look at you and say, come on, buddy, come on, you're, you're messing with me. And there's no joy. There's no joy unless you have somebody there that you can fulfill your joy with. There is no joy. You don't get joy until you share it. That's why if there's a grandmother in here, you understand. If your daughter tagged you in a picture of your grand 
grandson with his little suit going to church. You're not going to keep it to yourself. You won't take that picture and share it on Facebook. You want others to see it. Look at how cute my little Bobby is. Look at his little cheeks. and Look, look at his little suit. Isn't he the great? You want to share it because whatever you enjoy, the way that we are built as human beings, we don't enjoy things for our own pleasure. We enjoy things as it relates to other people. We get pleasure out of other people enjoying things with us. That's why worship has always been corporate. Our God. So that's why we say, praise ye the Lord. Because I want you to see how great he is. Praise ye the Lord. You look at Isaiah 6. Isaiah 6. The angels, we often think that the angels are up there going, holy, holy, holy. They're covering their face and they're going, holy, holy. That's not what the Bible said. The Bible said they were giving voices one to another. They weren't speaking to God. They were speaking to each other about God. They were saying, holy, 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 holy. One to another. Well, how do you know they weren't speaking to God, but one to another? You know it by what they said next. They said, the whole earth is full, not of your glory, because they weren't speaking to God, of his glory. They were speaking to one another. The whole earth is full of his glory. He's holy, holy, transcendent, great, holy. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's why you need to come to the house of God to stimulate me to love and good works. To stimulate me. Come on, enjoy what I enjoy. Look at the beauty of what I see. Come with me. Bless the Lord with me. Listen, I'm going to be done with this one, but listen, listen, listen to this. You've got to come together because you don't see the totality of who God is unless you see him through the lens of others. Let me explain that. Let me explain that. I've got two boys. I've got Caleb and Micah. Now, my son Micah, who is the youngest one, he's uh, 16, and here's the deal. Micah does not laugh at any of my jokes. Not one of them. He, uh, he thinks I'm corny. He's never actually said the words, but just the way he looks at me. And I would never know that Micah laughed if it wasn't for his brother Caleb. Because whenever Micah's with me, he absolutely never laughs at my jokes. As a matter of fact, the other day, I told a joke in a car, right? That's a story that, you know, I came across and I, and I told it to Mike and I was dying laughing. And this boy looked at me. I said, Micah, that, was that not? And he just looked at me and he went, Micah literally did that. On that day, I scratched his name from the inheritance. (laughs) On that specific day. 
scratched it. So his brother came in a car and his brother had just heard the story that I had just told in the car. He had just came and he's dying laughing. So his brother comes in and he's like, dude, I got to tell you something. And he tells them the same exact, y'all, the same exact stuff that I had just told Micah a couple of minutes ago. That same stuff it comes out of Caleb's mouth. And here's Micah in the back. <laughs> so I looked over at Micah and I said, son. I just told you the same exact thing that Caleb just told you. And Micah looked over at me and went, this is, this is what he told me. This boy is so disrespectful. So disrespectful. This boy looked over at me and this is what he said. Literally, this is what he said. Dad, you wouldn't understand. You're from the 1900s. The boy said I was from the 1900s. Amen. Here's the deal. I would never know that Micah had teeth. If it had not been for Caleb. Whenever Caleb comes around, here's Micah. Right? Looks like a hyena back there. Just a six-four hyena in the back of my back of my car, just dying laughing. And I'm looking over at him like, Micah, are you serious? But that's what Caleb brings out of him. Do you know why we need to come together? Because there are some aspects of God that I cannot see from my view that I need you to show him to me. Let me, woo, let me explain this. Let me explain this to you. You see, I, listen, the Lord has really, really blessed me and blessed my, me in, in a way. I travel everywhere I go, everywhere I pray for everybody. The stuff I've eaten on the side of the road would it make you gag if I told you the stuff I have eaten on the side of the road in third world countries with all sorts of mosquitoes and bugs and extra protein and stuff. I'm telling you right now, I'm telling the stuff I've eaten, the people I prayed for, the people that come and hug me in the midst of a pandemic, the Lord has really blessed me in that I, I don't, I hardly ever get sick. I was, I was talking to my sons here. I haven't been to a doctor in over three decades. I don't, I don't really know much about a, I need, I need to get to one because the Lord knows what's inside of this body right here. But I'm telling you, I don't get sick, right? And, uh, you know, we don't believe, we don't knock on wood as Christians, amen, but just in case. Listen, oh man, I ain't never coming back to this church. here's the deal I don't get sick I just don't get and the Lord has really really blessed me in that way amen somebody said brother Diaz when are you going to get remarried I said remarried we're in a global pandemic and not even COVID wants me 
my God, have mercy. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. I don't get sick, but I've heard all of my life that God is a healer. God is a healer. So I know it from the word and I confess it by from the word, but I don't really know it that I know of. I don't really know it on my own. I, that's not my experience. The only way that I know that God is a healer is when I get to the sanctuary. When I come to the sanctuary, there are people in the sanctuary that can attest, that will say, I am a witness because I was in a coma. I had four, I had stage four cancer. I had leukemia and God came my way. He picked me up. He turned me around. He fixed my blood cells and now I've got a testimony and because of your testimony I can't do it for myself but I can praise with you because of your testimony I gotta praise and I've gotta let it out I know that God is a healer cause he's healed you he's healed your children he's healed your body you've got something to talk about and now I am here to worship with you You've got to come to the house of God. You've got to come to God. Come on, musicians. Here it is. I'm done. I'm done. Y'all remain standing. Why do we come to the house of God? Well, we come to do what the psalmist tells us to do. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise God in his sanctuary. You forgive me, amen, if we're too loud in here. But the Bible commands me. It tells me that you ought to praise God in his sanctuary where else can you dance and not look like a fool where else can you shout unto God and not look like a fool where else can you sing aloud and not look like a fool it's in the sanctuary where I can twist and twirl it's in the sanctuary where I can dance It's in the sanctuary that I can shout unto the Lord and give God the praise. And so this is why we come to the sanctuary. Somebody's going to say, well, what, 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 what do we praise him for? Will you praise him for what the Bible tells you to do? It said, praise him for his mighty acts. Ooh. You praise him for what he has done. That's what that means. Praise him for what he has done. And if you don't know what he has done, go back to Psalm 146. And you read verse 5 through verse 9. It said, happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made the heaven and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. That's what he has done. 
who keeps truth forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prisoners. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over stranger. He relieves the fatherless and the widow. But the way of the wicked, he turns upside down. That's all he has done. You ought to praise him for what he has done. Hey, but I'm telling you, you don't even have to get to the word in order to know what he's done. Look back over your life. Look back where you used to be. He picked you up. He healed you. He saved you. He delivered you. He got you out. God is a good God. You ought to praise him for what he has done. But just in case uh, somebody will say here this evening, uh, well, but uh, he hasn't done too much for me. Uh, you still are without excuse uh, because the Bible doesn't just tell you to praise him uh, for what he has done. It also tells you praise him uh, for his excellent greatness, not just his mighty acts, uh, but his excellent greatness, uh, not just what he's done, uh, but a uh, who he is you ought to praise him because he's loving you ought to praise him because he's kind you ought to praise him because he's great and greatly to be praised you ought to praise him because he's awesome you ought to praise him because he's merciful you ought to praise him because he's forgiving you ought to praise him let everything that have breath praise ye the Lord this house and worship the Lord with us. Come on, invite somebody to worship the Lord with you in this house.
come together we have worship leaders and singers and musicians and they lead us in worship brother Diaz was preaching tonight I felt like we need to be able to lift them up I'd like for all of our musicians and and uh, singers and choir leaders and all the people that are involved in leading us in worship I want all of y'all to come I know we talked about praying for sister Rhea but I I want to extend that and I feel like we should pray for all of our praise leaders. Because I'm going to tell you what, the enemy is going to fight the praise of God's people. And I know that we ought to be able to praise God without music, but it sure helps having good music. And there's something about anointed worship. Come on, somebody. I said, there's something about anointed worship. So here's, here's what I want to do tonight. I want to pray for all of our worship leaders. And then I want us with them to worship God with our voice. Which God loves to hear more than anything else. Come on, when you use your voice to lift up the name of Jesus. The Bible said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Come on, all over this place, would you lift your hands right now? As we begin to pray, would you lift your hands and begin to thank the Lord for our worship leaders?
that's it now with your voice. Would you begin to shout unto the Lord? Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. We bless the name of Jesus. I praise you for your mighty acts. I praise you for your excellent greatness. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Woo, Jesus. Let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Jesus Woo. I declare your glory I declare your greatness Join your voices with the voices of those around you. Let all God's people come together. In the name of Jesus. specific that God has done why don't you begin to praise him for that come on if God's done something for you in the recent days why don't you begin to thank him for it I thank you Lord for your healing I thank you for your answer that I got I thank you Lord that you've touched my family Now if you can't think of anything God has done But you said I'm a worshiper I'm going to declare his glory I'm going to declare his greatness He doesn't have to do anything for me I'm just going to thank him And worship him Because he's a mighty good God In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Woo, hallelujah. 
It's when they shouted with one voice that the walls came down. It's when they came together in one accord that the Holy Ghost fell. Let the people of God have one voice. If I'm sick, I'll praise you because you're a healer. If I'm hurting, I'll praise you because you're a mighty good God. If I'm healthy, I'll praise you because you kept me. Yes, Lord. Come on, everybody's got to praise. I feel like you can receive the Holy Ghost through worship. You can receive your healing through worship. You can go to war spiritually through your worship. I wonder if we could do that right now. If you need God to do something specific in your life, or you need the Lord to give you a breakthrough, I wonder right now if you would begin to worship Him and thank Him for that victory. Don't ask Him to do it. Just begin to praise Him for it. I thank You, Lord, that You've saved my children. I thank You, Lord, that You've healed my body. I thank You, Lord, that You've given me breath. I thank You, Lord, You're going to make a way where there is no way. I don't have to see the evidence of it, God. I thank You for it. In the name that is above every day. Come on, when they begin to worship God, there was an earthquake in the Philippi jail. When they worship God, the foundations gave way. You are the mighty God. You're greater than cancer. You're greater than sickness. You're greater than depression, Lord. You're greater than any crisis in my life. I will bless the Lord at all times. I will bless the Lord at all times. We go to war with our worship. We go to war with our worship. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the Bible tells us that when two or three come together. So I want you to find somebody else. We're going to, just right now, we're going to exercise our worship by worshiping with someone else. So find somebody, two or three. Get together right now. If you want to share what you need somebody to help you worship about, go ahead and do it. Link up with somebody. Come on, the Bible said one can put to flight a thousand and two can put to flight. 
Not 2,000, 10,000. There's a multiplication whenever you come together and you begin to worship God together. Ha! Good God Almighty. Oh, thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. David took special interest in a group of men called the sons of Korah. Their great-great-granddad had come up against Moses. There was a stigma that was upon that family. Even to the point where the law said for ten generations they could not even come into the sanctuary. But David found out that worship can break through some stigmas. Oh, I want to say something. I come against this philosophy that if you've had a bad week or you've sinned that you can't come to the house of God. Because you're a hypocrite if you come to the house of God and, and lift up your hands because you've not been who you were supposed to be this week. I come against that. That is not biblical. I tell you that if you've had a bad week, you ought to praise God in His sanctuary more than you ever have before. Because worship can break the stigma of sin. David designated the sons of Korah to be worshipers. That's why when you read it, it'll say that the sons of Korah, I was glad when they said it to me, let us go into the house of God. It doesn't matter what your past is. You're here to worship. You're in the house of God to worship Him. All right, worshipers, you've had enough time off. Come back up here. <laughs> you've had a break. It's a Sunday night. Time to go back to work. Y'all got one more worship in you? Come on, Rhea, this is your swan song. We need you up here. Do you know which song I want to sing? This is revival. This is revival. I don't know what you've been going through, but I've come to tell you, this is revival. It doesn't matter if you're a teenager or a senior citizen. This is revival. He's a mighty good God. Thank you, Brother Diaz, for that powerful message. Praise and worship. It's got to be a personal decision. You've got to make up in your mind, I'm going to be a worshiper. Because circumstance, situations... Seasons of life are going to test that resolve. You got to make up in your mind, I was called to be a worshiper. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Sometimes you got to get a revived spirit to just say, I'm going to bless him anyhow. Amen.
Let's lift our hands one more time and worship Him. Lord, I thank You for Your presence that's in this place. I thank You for this Word of God. Thank You, Lord, that You're reviving us. You're calling us into a place of worship. Into a place to exalt You in every situation. Come on, Lord, You never allowed worship to be stopped. You allowed miracles to stop. You allowed Your teaching to be interrupted. But you never allowed worship to be interrupted. Come on, the rocks are going to cry out if I don't worship you, Lord. I will bless the Lord. I will praise His holy name. Thank you, Lord, for this biblical reminder that we've got to come into your sanctuary to praise you, Lord. Are you all ready? Somebody's already warmed up. This is revival. God bless you. We love you in Jesus' name.